John chapter 12. Go ahead and take your Bibles with me and turn to John chapter 12. Today we're going to be touching on a familiar passage. We're going to be looking at the triumphal entry. And as I'm going to talk here in a little bit, it's interesting that God has allowed this passage to fall on Memorial Day weekend. John 12. If you're there, say word. That's awesome. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. John 12, beginning in verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you will add a blessing upon it. Use me as you see fit. In your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show or read the book, Band of Brothers. Stephen Ambrose says in, in his book, it says this, During World War II, a young soldier named David Webster of Easy Company of the 101st Airborne wrote his mother, and he says this, Stop worrying about me. I joined the parachutists to fight. I intend to fight. If necessary, I shall die fighting. But don't worry about this, because no war can be won without young men dying. Those things which are precious are saved only by sacrifice. I thought that was, thought it was pretty heavy. Here on this Memorial Day weekend, we are reminded of the many people who have given their lives for the sake of our freedom who have fought a fight for us, who laid down their lives for their brothers, their country, and our freedom, who are willing to give it all. We're thankful for the people who have done this for us. As we have seen earlier, many people in here have family members who have died while serving. And we, we must be respectful to the families who have had spouses and parents and children who have made this sacrifice for us. We're also thankful for the many who are currently serving or who have served. However, today on this Memorial Day weekend, as we do every Sunday, we want to proclaim the message of the one who gave all so that we may be saved, so that we may have spiritual freedom to love and to glorify God. As I was telling someone earlier, I love how this passage falls on Memorial Day weekend. This is why we love, I love seeing how God works as we go through 
passages of Scripture. We here at Red Cross, we go through books of the Bible. We go verse by verse. And sometimes the passages fall on specific days that we didn't plan for it. Mother's Day, we looked at uh, Mary in John 12. Father's Day of last year, we landed on John 3.16, showing how the Father gave His Son. Today, we look at the triumphal entry on Memorial Day weekend. As we were looking at the scene in, in the Gospel of John, which falls in every Gospel account, we're going to see Christ, who has come on His own terms at His own time to give His own life. This scene is setting up the week of Passover. The, last, the, the, the second half of this book is basically a week. We're looking at the Passover. Now, Passover is the celebration of God liberating His people from Egyptian slavery. It was first celebrated in Exodus 12. God's people are under Egyptian rule, Egyptian bondage and slavery. And we see the judgment of God on the people of Egypt where He takes the firstborn son of every family. In order for the angel to pass over your house, you were to sacrifice a lamb without defect and spread the blood over the doorpost of your home. Now this pointed to Christ. As does every verse, chapter, book, it points to Christ. And it points to Him being the sacrificial Lamb as God sacrificed His only Son for the salvation of His people. Now this is the week that Christ is walking into, all right? He's, he's coming into Jerusalem. Many people, as many as a couple million possibly, could be taking part in this week. People are also bringing their own lambs to be sacrificed. So Christ is coming into, into Jerusalem and people are excited that he's there. They're celebrating this triumphal entry. So here's the big idea that I want to get across to you today. The big idea is this. The meek and lowly king has come to conquer the enemy by giving his life. The meek and lowly king has come to conquer the enemy by giving his life. And I have three ways in which Christ has come to do that. So let's dig in. Let's see what God's Word has in store for us today, okay? First, Christ has come to conquer the enemy as our conquering king. He's the conquering king. Look at verses 12 and 13. It says this. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem... So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Now, as Christ is entering into Jerusalem, the people, they've taken palm branches, all right? And they're shouting, Hosanna, which means save. And they call him the king of Israel. Now, this comes from Psalms 118, 25, and 26, which says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Now, remember, this is the people who have heard and witnessed the miracle of the rising of Lazarus. Okay? 
This comes right after that. They, are, they have seen not only that Jesus can turn water into wine, they've seen not only that he can take food and multiply it, he can raise somebody from the dead. The boy's got power is what they're thinking. And so they want to see him as king. They believe he is to be the nation's political deliverer. They believe Christ has come to rescue the people under Roman rule, just like how Moses came to rescue the people under Egyptian rule. Now, the palm branches are not something that's required at Passover, okay? They are a national symbol. Dating back to when Simon the Maccabee drove the Syrian forces out of the the Jerusalem citadel. They waved palm branches because he rescued the people from Syrian rule. It signified nationalist hope that a messianic liberator was arriving on the scene. That came from one of my commentaries. It signified nationalist hope that a messianic liberator was arriving on the scene. They saw Christ as someone who's going to liberate them from their political struggles, from being under Roman rule. The cry for salvation, the sign of the palm branches that signified national liberation, they misunderstood who Jesus was. They're correct in what they say. They're correct in seeing him as a conquering king, which is true. They're correct in seeing Jesus as the real king. He's the king of kings. He's the greatest king. He's the king not just of Israel, but of the whole world. He's the anointed king. But he's not the king that they want on their terms. We saw this back at John 6. We saw this when Christ did the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Remember, after he did the miracle, people started coming after him. Jesus had to get away quickly because they wanted to make him king on their own terms. Jesus has come to conquer, but not how they wanted him to conquer. This is why we see just a few days later in this scene, the same people crying out, Hosanna, are crying out, crucify him, kill him. Not my king. He's come into Jerusalem as a conquering king. He has come into Jerusalem at his own time, on his own terms, to give his life as a ransom for many. He's come to conquer the enemy of sin and death. He has come to Jerusalem at his own time and on his own terms to give his life as a ransom for for many. He has come to conquer the enemy of sin and death, but not as one who's bringing judgment. He's coming as one who's bringing peace. He's come as, number two, the meek Messiah. He's the conquering king, but he's coming as the meek Messiah. Verses 14 through 16, it says this, And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So what we see here, this is, 
This is so interesting, is the fact that he came riding in on a young donkey. As a king, Jesus doesn't come in with any soldiers. He doesn't come in riding on a war horse with a sword, with armor. He comes in on a donkey. In verse 15, John is quoting from Zechariah 9, and it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle, bo- the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. I love how one of my commentaries put it. They say this prophecy says a lot about the kind of king who is coming. He's different from the average political ruler. The choice of the donkey reveals this king will achieve his victory through humility. The salvation he secures will come through meekness. He doesn't come to destroy other nations, but to proclaim peace to the nations. This has been God's plan all along. That people from every tongue, tribe, and nation to bow in worship before Him. And we must see that Christ didn't come to overthrow political leaders. His victory is not a political victory. His kingdom isn't one nation. It's worldwide. His kingdom includes all people. People wanted a political leader. They wanted somebody to come in, overthrow Roman rule, and become their king. He has come as a sovereign king, though. The people wanted salvation from political rule. He has come to bring salvation from their sin. And in church, this is something we need to hear today. Our hope is not in a political leader. Your hope is not in President Trump. Your hope was not in President Obama. Your hope is not in a political leader. No matter who is in D.C., Christ is on the throne. And that's where your hope should be. I mean, we live in a nation now where we see uh, it's completely going against God's word. Abortion, same-sex marriage. All this stuff that's going against God's word. Our nation is going against God. And so we have to understand our hope is not in our nation. You need to hear me. Our hope is not in that flag. Our hope is in God. This nation can crumble and Christ would still be king. Your political leader can fall Christ cannot. Because He's in control. And according to God's Word, He appoints the leaders. He's in control. Don't ever forget that. We're called to be wise in selecting our leaders, and we're called to be good stewards of our votes. But we should never fear who is in office when Christ is on the throne. Christ has come as the meek Messiah. He's come through humility. He's come riding on a donkey. Why? Why does Christ come as a meek and lowly king? Philippians 2.8 says this, And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
He came as a meek and lowly king because of where he's headed. He's headed to Golgotha. He's headed to the place of the skull. He's headed to the cross. He's on a mission. He's on a kingly mission, one in which the people don't understand. That's why they turn on him later in the week. They don't understand why Christ has come into Jerusalem and he's not overthrowing the Romans. If you're not going to do what we want you to do, we'll just kill you. That's why they turn on him. He's come to Jerusalem not to defeat Rome, but to defeat sin and death. He's come to to Jerusalem not to rule, but to die. And we see this as we look at the next way in which Christ has come to defeat the enemy. He's come as number three, the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. This, so I I was talking to Adam this morning. I don't know why. He showed up at church at 920. But I was talking to him about my sermon. Sometimes during sermon prep, actually basically every week during my sermon prep, I'm, I'm learning new stuff. And I've never really seen Christ coming into Jerusalem in this way. So this, this is the week of the Passover, okay? Where people are coming from long distance. They're bringing their lambs and their families to make their sacrifices. And, and I want you to picture it, okay? As Christ is coming into Jerusalem, you got it in your in your mind, however you want to see it. You see the palm branches waving. You see people. It's like a parade. People on the side of the street, they're, they're shouting Hosanna. They're excited. They're celebrating. And as Christ is coming into Jerusalem, what else is coming into Jerusalem that, that day? As Christ is coming in on a donkey, imagine seeing these other lambs that are coming in that people are either carrying in or they're walking in. These lambs that are coming in, that that are being brought to the slaughter, that are being brought to be sacrificed. And can you imagine Christ catching the eye of those lambs? And can you imagine Christ as He's coming into Jerusalem, seeing the hill that He's about to be sacrificed on? See, Christ has come into Jerusalem during this triumphal entry as the king who is going to die. He's coming in as the Passover lamb. Christ is the greater Passover lamb entering into Jerusalem that that day. He is the greater lamb that will be sacrificed that, that week. He is the meek and lowly king who has come to conquer the enemy by giving his life. He is the Passover lamb that has come to shed His blood for the the salvation of of His people. Church, the King is on a mission. He's come to die for the people. He's come to give His life as a ransom. He's the conquering King, the meek Messiah, and the Passover Lamb. But here's the thing. If If you've read your Bible, He may be riding in on a donkey this week. There is going to come a day when Christ is going to be riding in on a horse and He's going to be coming in for judgment and not for peace. We don't know when that day will be. We don't know. It will happen one day. What a glorious day that will be. Terrifying, but glorious.
Just like the people here at church, we too can cry out Hosanna, only our Hosanna is different. Our Hosanna isn't save us, ours is you have saved us. We cry out Hosanna to God in thanksgiving for saving us. So my question to you, do you celebrate that today? Do you celebrate the conquering king who has come into our lives to bring peace, to bring salvation? He's the conquering king who has come to defeat our sin and our death to come into our lives. He's the meek Messiah who has come into our lives to bring peace between us and God, to reconcile us to the Father. And He's the Passover Lamb who has come into our life to be our ransom, to be our sacrifice, to pay the penalty for us. So to the unbelievers in the room, have you given your life to this King? Have you surrendered your life to this Messiah, to this Passover Lamb? If you haven't, we're going to have a time of of invitation. You are more than welcome to come and talk to me. If you don't want to talk to me now, you can talk to me later. But I don't want you to wait. Because like I said, one day Christ is coming riding on a horse. To the unbeliever, do you need Jesus today? To the believer... Are you celebrating the conquering king? Or is something today hindering that celebration? Is there sin in your life that you need to get rid of? Christ has come as the conquering king. He has come so that we can celebrate what he's done for us. I'm asking, can you do that today? If not, all you got to do is come back to God. All you got to do is repent of of whatever sin's holding you back and seek the face of the one who died for us. This is why he came into Jerusalem. This is why the king made his triumphal entry to die for us. I pray you know him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you have come to live and to die for our sins. Lord, I pray that you would do something today. I pray that you would help us to see your truth. Pray that you would convict us where we have failed you. God, we thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.